amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Why do we flip mattresses? <laughs> well, I think I know the answer to that one. You, when you sleep on a mattress, you typically sleep in the same space over and over again, and you make a little indentation where you're, the weight of your body is pressing down on the springs and the, you know, the inner workings of your mattress, and so you want to rotate it or flip it so that you're wearing out your mattress in different places instead of always the same place. I don't think we've ever flipped mattresses, though. At least I don't think my mattress has ever been flipped. Certainly not where I am now, but like even at home. Well, was my mattress just less less important? No, it depends on the <laughs> the type of mattress. Like yes. we, if you have a pillow top, you won't have a pillow top on the other end. And so they started making mattresses different. So it really depends on the the style of mattress. But old mattresses, typical standard coil mattresses, you would flip. I had a, a waterbed in high school and college, <laughs> and those are extremely <laughs> difficult to flip, but still important because you just have to. You have to drain them first because I tried to flip it when it was still full and it was it was way too way too heavy. <laughs> Wait, do you did you actually flip your waterbed? No, I did okay, not flip cool. my waterbed. <laughs> that was a joke. Uh, wow, yeah, the, good job on the sarcasm there. That was really well played. <laughs> Thanks, Eddie. <laughs> As someone like I, I use sarcastic humor so much, but I'm so bad at picking it up whenever it. yeah <laughs> speaking of well played well let's play that intro music so bad <laughs> Max and Dads wholesome chaos Max and Dads wholesome chaos hey guys welcome to our podcast Mags and Dads wholesome chaos which is hosted by me and my dad I'm Maggie and my name's Dan. I'm Maggie's dad and also Eddie's dad and Shelia's husband. They're both here in the studio with us. Guys, say hello. Hello. I'm Shelia. Shelia. Shelia or Shay. Shay. For people who can't say Shelia, like apparently my husband today. <laughs> <laughs> but this is wholesome podcast. This is. <laughs> All right. And this is Wholesome Chaos, the podcast where we try to lift your spirits and also elevate your life with some fun and excitement uh, as we learn about each other's lives and talk about what's going on for us. Answer your questions, which you can submit at wholesomechaos.com, and generally just have a lot of fun and talk about doing life together. So I am just back from my Florida road trip, and I know some of you might have thought we were supposed to be in California already. We're getting close. We're going to be there literally the next podcast, for sure. And I, for one, can't wait. It's going to be awesome. This week is so busy. I have stuff Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, just like a lot of things that need to get done. And then on Thursday, my whole family is coming. And that kind of means like I'm out of, like I, I can't do things for the next week. So I'm trying to get everything done beforehand, which is a lot. So you're feeling a little stress. 
don't worry about us. I mean, we're, you don't need to do anything special for us. And when we're there, you know, my intention is going to be to like be of use to you, be helpful to you in, in several ways. So it's not like you have to entertain us. We're all staying in my in my studio apartment. That's true. <laughs> there's there's not many places to go. <laughs> so you may have to clean up. Is that what you're saying? I actually I cleaned the other day, but actually looking around, it would appear maybe I need to clean again. That's crazy how that happens. That you have to like keep cleaning. That's <laughs> not just like a one time thing. Yeah, laundry is um, the same way. Can you believe it? I do a lot of laundry. Yeah, me too. A lot of laundry. But I enjoy doing laundry a lot more when it's just my own stuff. Makes it a lot easier. You don't have to sort as much. That's true. Speaking of laundry, I went thrifting the other day with some friends. And then that same day, one of my friends brought in a big bag of clothes where she was like, I'm giving all these away to like Goodwill. So if you guys want to go through them, you can. And so I got like four more things from there. And then my other friend gifted me a shirt. So I got home and I had like a whole new load of laundry that was all new clothes. And I was like, that's so exciting. But this shirt that I'm wearing is one of them. That's been a big hit with my friends. But also people keep saying I look like Steve from Blue's Clues. That's right. Which... I, I vaguely remember Blue's Clues, but I think that that's correct. But also, yes. I've been getting a lot of compliments on it. And it was also featured in that recent TikTok, which is where you're getting those comments about that. Very nice. And good Blue's Clues reference. I had people tell me this chair reminds them of Blue's Clues <laughs> because of the shape of it. Do I need to rewatch Blue's Clues? I don't remember it that well. I think so. There was a TikTok recently, uh, probably a video on YouTube as well, from Steve, the original Blue's Clues host, who sent, like he disappeared one day from Blue's Clues and there was another host. Yeah. And, but he did it recently where he came back and, based, and talked about why he had to leave. And, but he did it in character about, you know, sorry I didn't get a chance to say goodbye. Here was what was going on in my life. It was just so sweet and sentimental. And it really, like so many people responded to it in such a loving way. It was really nostalgic. But, but he's talking to the audience that would have known he was gone, who were like 19 and 23 exactly. now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he was my favorite. I was so disappointed when he disappeared. Yeah, it was really like deep and heartfelt and insightful and brought a tear to your eye. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> Always connected with people, made him feel special. You know what I've been trying to do? I, mean, I did this on my, on my uh, road trip recently is I'm playing this little game when I stop to charge the Tesla and stuff, and I go in and I interact with people. Well, I don't even necessarily even talk to people, but I just look at them as if I recognize them and, like, send them some energy and love. Say hello, you know, whatever. It's like, but but the, the, the idea is seeing people and kind of, like, recognizing strangers. Not that I expect them to know me, but I, I greet them in such a way, like, I already know them. And it's been really interesting. I know that sounds really weird, but their response... I think, you, I think it probably freaks out a lot of people like, crap, I forgot who this person is. Racking their brain, who is this person? Did we meet at an office event? Like, did, how do... How, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Well, I don't go into, like, details. Like, I don't set them up to think that so much. I'm just saying hello and greeting them. It's just that the intentionality is, I recognize you. I see you. Like I see that I'm not just seeing you as a person who's in my way or in my environment, 
but I'm seeing the person that you are there, and I'm saying hello. I'm, I'm nodding at you or smiling at you. That's funny because for like like dozens of people are out there all day long. The rest of the day, they're like, "Where do I know that guy from? Why? Ah, oh, it's driving me crazy." Yeah, good one, honey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to be a good guy, you know. Just trying to recognize people and give them some love and and make them feel like uh, they're not alone in the world. So, hey, Mags, you know, you were talking about getting clothes, and this is a time of year where. Uh, a lot of people are, are re-upping their wardrobe or, you know, keeping up with your kids' growth spurts can, and the changing taste that they might have. That can be a challenge. So we can help you with this by letting the style experts at Stitch Fix help out with easy options to fit, fit their vibe and to fit your wallet. Stitch Fix Kids is the effortless way to get clothes that fit your kid and price range. Items start at just $10. With your feedback and input, the experts at Stitch Fix learn about your kids' tastes, send styles that are perfect for them, and are affordable for you. Your kids can try on pieces at home before you buy. Just keep what they love and send back the rest. Plus, shipping returns and exchanges are always free. From toddlers to picky tweens, Stitch Fix Kids has growth spurts taken care of with sizes 2T to 18. There's no subscription required. Simply order a refresh as needed or set it up and forget it with the regular seasonal fixes. You're in control. Try today at stitchfix.com slash chaos and you'll get 25% off when you keep everything in your kid's fix. That's stitchfix.com slash chaos for 25% off when you keep everything in your kid's fix. Stitchfix.com slash chaos. Thank you, Stitch Fix, for sponsoring this episode. So yeah, it was a great trip. I stopped several times. I actually, you know, one of the reasons I drove, even though it was all the way to Orlando instead of flying, is um, I, I just wanted to explore. I brought my my golf clubs, my disc golf. I played disc golf twice, once on the way down and once when I was down there. And just kind of spontaneously, like looking around, see what's around us. And um, I met this really cool dude named Sam on the disc golf course in Gainesville, Florida. Um, so I just kind of took my time and enjoyed the journey along the way. It was pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. And I was there for the NSA conference where we also um, I saw a lot of our friends from the speaker world, and I participated in that. And then yesterday, I saw a very dear friend of ours, Tony Steele. And I thought I could tell you today in this audience about this amazing man, Tony Steele. Do you remember t meeting Tony when you were nine years old, Maggie? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that, that, that day was super special. And we were down in Disney, or we were down in Orlando. And the idea was, well, we can go see the theme parks. Or we could first wanted to go see this amazing person. I hadn't met Tony yet either. So you met him the same time I did. But here's what happened. I had been uh, speaking in Boston. And in my speech, I talk about acrobatics and longevity. And as I get older, my desire is to con continue to stay fit and healthy so that I can continue to do flips and stunts and all of my skills. Well, after that show, this gentleman came up to me and said, I you should meet my uncle, Tony Steele. He's 75 years old and does flying trapeze. And Tony wasn't just like an ordinary you know, 75-year-old trapeze artist, if there is such a thing. <laughs> He was, you know. a, he, yeah, you know, no, he's a legend. He's a Guinness Book of World Record holder. He has his star in the Sarasota Ring of Fame for all the circus performers. There's this, there's this memorial, kind of like the Hall of Fame of Circus, where Tony's memorialized um, because in 1962, 
he was the first person in the world to break the barrier of the triple somersault. There were two people who could do a triple. Tony did a three and a half, just basically one day. Somebody said to him after his show, hey, you do three, why don't you do four? And he said his first thought was, I know I can't do four, but maybe I could do three and a half. And so that was crazy because that meant like kicking out backwards and diving toward the net, hoping your catcher would grab you by the ankles. But um, Lee, his catcher, and he decided that they would do it, and they actually caught it on the third try, put it in the act, set the world record, and it was a world record for 20 years until 1982 when Miguel Vasquez did the quadruple somersault. And when we met Tony that day, Maggie, and he was telling me that story, uh, I don't know if you remember this, but he dr- kind of drifted away, and he was like, oh, I wish I would have never had that first thought. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, my first thought was, I know I can't do four, but maybe I could do three and a half. And I said, you think you could have done the quad? And he said, Dan, I know I could have done the quad because now I know it's possible. And I, in the shape that I was in, totally, I would have done it. Yeah. But I sold myself short and I had that like kind of limiting belief. But just an amazing human being. Tony's 85 now and he's actually um, just recovering from the hospital. He, I saw him in a like rehab facility yesterday. Totally surprised him. And we just had a great visit, great conversation. That's great. What do you I remember? What do you remember about it? Um, I remember how cool that place was, and I, I remember trusting Tony a lot because you're leaning over the edge of a very high platform, holding onto a um, like trapeze bar that you're about to jump onto, and there's just this man holding the belt that you're like the safety belt or whatever. And you're like, all right, my life's in your hands. So, <laughs> so you got yeah. to trust him very easy, but you, you he, he's a very, very cool guy. Um, funny. Yeah. And really I, it was, funny. it was a crazy cool place. We also went there when we, <laughs> when I needed to fly for a production of Peter Pan and we, we got some rigging stuff there and had a little boot camp there. Mm-hmm. John Zimmerman. Yeah, John John mm-hmm. set us up with that and training and trained you and uh, yeah, Eddie and Dan. Showed us the ropes. Literally. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember yeah. the first time you were on the, the pedestal? Because it's like 35 feet in the air yeah, when I, you take off. I remember the feeling of, um, especially because like, it's so weird. You're so high up. And then when you grab the bar, you're kind of like holding on to the little platform that you're on. But then when you let go with your second hand, if someone's not holding you, you're just, you're like this, like you're completely diagonal and it's totally off balance. So once they let go, you're just falling and it's off balance so on terrifying. purpose, man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. When, what you really do when you're doing it by yourself is you got to lean way out there and then jump up, not jump out. Cause if you jump out, it creates this slack and then Ugh. it jerks the bar out of your hands and you you can't hold on because yeah you go straight in the net and not the right part of the net because the net at their, their point is just going to you know, throw you way forward yeah. so you've got to jump up and kind of back and then grab on and swing um, and so I, I really got into it I really got into learning and yes John Zimmerman and Paula Zimmerman this is their home their trapeze they met through the circus and the circus community is a really small group of very interesting people. Um, they're just the best people in the world. 
and they're all little. I love that about them. You know, they're they're little like us. All the little acrobats. Well, John's not not little. No, John's he not. Was he was a, a catcher. catcher. Yeah. And he was also in the Air Force, and he was also um, he did stunt. He was a stunt coordinator for lots of films. You would know. Just amazing guy. Yes, he's and he's working with uh, NASA right now. No way. Doing a, <laughs> he's working on a film that they're using for. Um, a, a new space station kind of thing that they're going to do. I can't tell you. I, I can't tell you much yeah. about it. I can't stunt tell. Stunt coordinator for NASA. Like a. That sounds interesting. Yeah, exactly. Like a rom com. No, they're they're type basically thing? all the space exploration <laughs> is all fake. They just stage it, and John does <laughs> does all the oh, he does all the cinematography. Oh, we cannot get into those it. conspiracies. Yeah. Oh my goodness. No, but you know what else John did? Do you remember the um, the guy who jumped out of a plane without a parachute? It, it, he did like the, no. he set the world record for the world's highest free fall where he landed in a net, but which had been like I, I don't recall exactly, but because of like terminal velocity, you could only jump from the highest fall was I think was 120 feet or 140 feet, which was huge. And the nets and the uh, the airbags had to be really careful because it's a huge impact. Well, this guy decided to do it from a plane and he was going to jump out without a plane, super amazing, talented. Without a parachute, not without a plane. <laughs> yeah, without, without a parachute, right. Yeah. He definitely had a plane. <laughs> yes. In fact, he went up in the plane and, and did this jump with a parachute hundreds of times just to fly in. They had a huge net that was, had lights in the corners that would tell him with the, whether or not he's in the realm of being able to, fall, to make it. And he'd fly in, fly in, fly in. And when he knew, he'd practice his rolls because you roll and fall to your back. And then he'd come out of it, open his parachute, and land. And he did that hundreds of times. What? Yeah. And then he did it for real. Well, John was involved because he was one of the riggers behind the system that actually, you know how when you catch an egg in your hand and your hand kind of goes down yeah. a little bit to make mm -hmm. sure it's safer? Well, that's what they did with the whole net. They had a hydraulic system that there was a guy on a button Right at when he's about to land, they would drop the net just like 50 feet so that it would reduce the impact of him falling into it. Uh, it was so cool. That's really clever. Very wow. clever. Very, a lot wow. of science and aerodynamic stuff going on there, right? Yep. But then Physics. the day before, yeah. because this is going to be televised and they have sponsors, they told the, the diver, um, and we'll, we'll look up his name in a second. In fact, could you look that up, yeah, Eddie? Get sure. up his name. And I want to make sure I get it right. Uh, they told me couldn't do it. They still they were like, you can't do it without a parachute. You need to wear a parachute just in case. And everyone was really disappointed because they'd worked so hard for this moment. And he said, okay, it's fine. We'll just do it. Well, that day he put on the parachute. He took it up to altitude, got ready to jump out, took off the parachute, and jumped out. What's his name? So it looks like... Luke Aikens. Yes. So, but no, it was so great because because yesterday when I visited with Tony, um, you know, he was just there by himself, which he's been a lot spending a lot of time by himself, and he's eighty five. This is a, this is an amazing, great man, you know, who's who's now going through the serious health challenges. And when I walked in, he lit up, and I was so glad I made that effort. I actually skipped the last day of the conference to go see him, um, and. I just got him telling stories. It was like hey, asking him specific questions that would allow him to get back to his really happy memories. And I just felt so good about that. Amazing. 
This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Relationships take work, especially the most important relationship that you have in your life, which is the one you have with yourself. You're going to be with yourself everywhere you go and in your head in every situation that you encounter. And so, you know, it's really important to think about the tools that you can use and the assistance that you can get from professionals and this journey of learning throughout your life to consistently get better at managing that relationship. So this month, BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you that you matter just as much as everyone else does. And therapy is a great way to make sure that you show up for yourself. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. So give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp Online Therapy. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Mags and Dad's Wholesome Chaos listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash Wholesome. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash Wholesome. I went to a coffee shop by myself the other day, and it might be one of my new favorite things to do. I, I really, really enjoyed it. Got some work done, and oh, I will say there was like, these two people who sat down at the same time as me, and they stayed the exact same time as me as well. Um, like, we left at the same time. And they were so loud. They were, like, <laughs> yelling at each other, but, like, in agreement um, for, like, two hours. <laughs> I was like, this is, this is so loud. What were they and then doing? You even, were they studying or something? Some strong coffee. Yeah. <laughs> no. I so I had AirPods in and there was music playing, so I, I really was trying not to eavesdrop. I think a lot of it was like I, two friends, ish of or like maybe new friends, and they were just talking about like politics and current things in the world, uh, but very very loudly and very enthusiastically, <laughs> which like go for it, but like also public place and there's people like a foot and a half away from you, um, trying to read. Um, and maybe reading isn't their strong suit in general, and they're trying to put a better foot forward this year. And <laughs> now there's just more distractions. But um, it was it was wild. And even when you called me, Dad, while I was there, I said, I was like, yeah, you know, I, I would normally be more excited about what I'm telling you. It's just I'm in public, so I'm like trying to keep my voice down. Exactly. <laughs> and I, I didn't even say that to, for like them to hear it or anything. It was just like my reaction. I was like, oh, yeah. So just be conscious if you're in public of those around you. Yeah. But, you know, that's something I would do a lot when I was your age. And I still do to this day is, is go into a coffee shop, get a cup of coffee. Back then I would get like a muffin or something like that. And for me, it was journaling. It was like, I'm just going to sit down and see what comes out and write in my journal, which I did for years and years of these of journaling on almost a daily basis. Looking back on that, what I realized is I was, you know, getting to know myself through those journals, but also working on my writing, like working on my skills and developing confidence as a writer. But I spent a lot of time alone in coffee shops. And certainly when I'm traveling, you know, that happens a lot, too. And we'll be reading random yeah. pages from those journals in future oh my podcasts. Gosh. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Not a bad idea, actually. Maybe. I, I thought I lost my journal the other day, and I, my heart sunk. 
because I was like, I've had that journal for, it's my second journal, and I've had that one for like the past five years, and there's like so much in there from like my high school years and just growing up and I was like what if what if one of my friends finds it and then and then they read it and it was really really scary moment thankfully I found it in my car and now it will like never be leaving my house again (laughs) (laughs) but it's it's a terrifying thing I think about changing names sometimes when I'm like journaling about something really really intense in my life um think about changing names all the time and I'm like wow if if there's not even an outlet that you feel secure enough to vent to that's a piece of paper that's scary (laughs) yeah I remember when mom and mom and I used to read your journals um (laughs) no you didn't yeah we'd go in your room (laughs) no we didn't no we didn't we respected your privacy and recognize that had we done that, that would be a really difficult um, breach of trust that would be hard to recover from. Yeah. Yeah. So no, we didn't do that. I will say I love um, reading sections of my old um, diaries and stuff like that. I've actually, I read a section of a diary to a boy um, of when I had like first met him and when I was talking about him, um, partially because... It's something one of my friends did something similar for me um, when I was in high school and they showed what they had written about me because it was a a long time ago that they wrote it and they were like, I want you to know kind of like what you deserve, like kind of how you deserve to be talked about and kind of how you deserve to have someone have thought about you like that Um, because it was just like really sweet and really like respectful and just like value all through it. Um, and so I read some of that to a boy one time. It was a little cringy, man. Like, like the way I used to journal was so in detail. <laughs> um, where I'd be like, and and like he walked in and he was wearing black shoes and and his black shoes matched his black hoodie. And I was like, I just I can't forget anything. Um, but no, I I thought that was really fun to kind of go down memory lane. And yesterday when I found my diary. I started reading something from a few years ago and I think I had changed a few names because I had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> like, I didn't <laughs> recognize any of the names. I was like, who, who am, who am I talking about here? So if you're, if you're listening to this and you're a journaler or you want to just try journaling, the moral of the story here is you can't get it wrong. Like there's no right way to do it. There's no wrong way to do it. You're just essentially opening up a conversation with yourself and writing down whatever comes to mind. Could be creative. Could be just a matter of fact. Here's what's going on in my life. I think it helps me identify things. I rarely go back and read those. It's fun. So speaking of things that are written down, would you like to hear a question? Sure. All right. This first one's for me. Hi, Mags and Dan. Now, Dan, I know you may not want a bunch of TikTok kiddos to show up randomly to one of your speeches, but would there ever be a way to see your speech in person? Ever thought about a mini tour type of thing Hmm. from Emily? So Emily, as you know, a lot of my speaking material is available online. There's even like a TED Talk that's from a long time ago. Eddie's in it. Eddie's in my TED Talk. That's available online. If you search Dan Thurman TED Talk, you can see that. As for live speeches, though, it's most of my work is for private events like corporations or associations who hire me and do things that way. 
we did do a public event, which was like a virtual thing in the studio. And I could see doing something like that for TikTok, maybe promoting it a little bit and doing something that's more interactive where I could answer questions and do something from our studio. Um, Cause that would be a great way to reach a lot of people. As for an, a live individual event, um, that might be a little bit more tricky, but who knows? There might be a chance to do that down the road and we'll keep that in mind and let you know if that happens. Shay actually has a question over there on the other side of the studio here in Atlanta. Yeah, this was an older question. I'll have to look up who it was from, but um, the question was, how do you become more confident in social situations around your parents or confident in general, especially when you feel like your parents might judge or make fun of you afterwards? I think it was Leah. Has that, uh, can you relate to that, Maggie, or you have any ideas for Leah? Um, how about, Mom, you jump into it first, because I know you had some ideas. I think first you need to let them know how it makes you feel, that you feel like sometimes they're being a bully, that they're belittling you, because they may not even be aware that they're doing it. I know for, for years, I used to tease my sister. I mean, she would set up herself for the best punchlines. And so I was just, you know, always firing zingers at her. And I didn't realize that really hurt her feelings until she told me one day. And I was like, wow, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize what it was doing to her. So after that, I started setting myself up and she would say something, I would kind of flip it back at me so that she got to, you know, hit me with the zingers. And so I'm very conscious not to, to ever tease her like that anymore. And I, I don't, but letting them know, um, and then if they continue the behavior, maybe like I had said about somebody who, you know, on a previous podcast, when I have to get around somebody that I just can't deal with their ego or, you know, their behavior, I just kind of become amused by them, by their behavior. And so maybe just say, mm, you're funny or yeah, oh, good one, whatever. Something that just kind of like puts it kind of shines a mirror back in their face of the way they're acting. Hope that helps. Yeah, I think calling out is important. Um, and I think, at least in experiences, I've kind of been like that. Sometimes they're a little shocked if you fight back. <laughs> and not like, not like fight back, like if someone says like, oh, you're dumb, being like, oh yeah, well, you're, you're stupid. Like, not like that. But if they say something, just kind of be like, wow, that was... That was a really rude thing to say. Like, and then it's kind of like acknowledgement where they're like, wait, what? Because <laughs> it's like, you're not, you're not just there to take the jokes of family members or to like, my mom said, like to be a punching bag. Like that's, that's not your role in that dynamic, um, nor do you deserve it. So. Yeah. I think most adults undervalue the contributions of people who are younger than them. Um, that starts when you're a kid, right? And so as you're growing up, you you have to kind of voice your, your opinions and find a way to interject your value. And then I would think you're right, Maggie and Chilia. Like you got to basically make, make it understood when you know you've been wronged or hurt or it, it just kind of not being angry about it. Don't create a big scene but a very clear and and decisive like uh, way to say that hurt me, I think is could be extremely powerful, and and I that hurt me, and I would prefer you treat me differently. 
I want to have a relationship, you know. That's the thing is you want to have a relationship with the people in your life, especially your family members. And so instead of just burying it and distancing yourself from them, you've got to find a way to fix it. You know, the other day, I this is so weird that I did this, but just, okay, a, a base question. In high school or middle school or whatever, did you guys ever have to fill out a map and like label the 50 states? Yes. No. No. <laughs> Yeah, really? I, got lucky. I wish I wish I oh did. I would like to pass that test. I think I'd do pretty good, except around New England. And all the capitals. You have to know all the capitals. Yeah, I was going to say all the capitals as well. I had to know all the presidents. Um, but the other day, I was thinking about the U.S. map, you know, as, as people do. And <laughs> I decided to download a blank one and just see how much I could fill out. And I had forgotten a lot, like a lot, a lot. Isn't that crazy? Did you get them all? No. Does saying I forgot a lot sound like I got them oh, all? Oh, I thought you said I got a lot. You forgot oh. a lot. No, I, I forgot a lot of them. I was pretty good on the southern eastern coast because I was born and raised there. And I was decent on the west coast. Um Actually, I have it here. Let's see. Yeah. Let's see the ones that. How far did you did you get like percentage wise? Oh, it actually looks like I went back in and filled everything out looking oh. at a map. I would say Good. I got maybe like, mm, like forty nine percent. That's not good, Maggie. <laughs> oh. Okay, you try it. <laughs> okay. That's rude. I can. Actually, maybe I got more. Short term memory. Mm. You you obviously put that in your short term memory for the exam. Uh, I don't think so. I, I, I knew it for a long time, but that was also like seven years ago. But you still know all the presidents. Um, yes, I think so. Huh. I, I had to memorize all the presidents and don't remember. <laughs> yeah. I had to learn the, the first song. and the last. I definitely can, can name. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You can do that. You can do like first four, maybe. What's the first four? Uh, now I'm freaking out. Okay. George Washington. Um, and then uh, Sam Adams, and then Thomas Jefferson, and then his right-hand man, uh, James Madison. Yeah, Boom. there you go. I, didn't, I don't <laughs> think I knew the first names. I think I just knew the last names. And then after that, I don't know. <laughs> I, was, I was playing for the girls the other day with some friends, and one of the questions was we had to name as many of the U.S. first ladies as we could remember. That was hard. In order? <laughs> no, 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 just like any. Did I ever tell you guys about when I spoke in, um, or I was in Washington, D.C., 1994, and I was in that room that's used by the presidents when they, where they entertain all of the dignitaries? Mm -hmm. it, it, no. it was in the Hilton Hotel, the Grand Hilton, and this was a special room that's connected to the street with with a, a secret entrance and a hall, hallway that takes you to this room. So when they're not at the White House, this is the room the presidents use to entertain dignitaries. Really big deal. And I kind of walked into that room by mistake at my very first NSA convention. I wasn't supposed to be there. It was all the main stage keynote speakers. And I was doing like this little showcase. And so I thought like I belonged there because I saw the sign that said, you know, speakers meeting. And I walked in and it's like, Zig Ziglar and the president of NSA at the time and all these other like big name speakers in the business. 
and and I just stayed. And then after their little meeting, they went on a tour down this hallway. So there was an there was an entrance at the back of the room, and you walk down the hall, and it's a serpentine hallway like this. Uh, and that means the reason for the shape of the hallway is if there's ever an ambush with a shooter in the hallway trying to assassinate the president, the Secret Cir- Service can get them around a corner very easily and block the direct line of a shot. Wow. And on that hallway, the reason I mention this is there's portraits all the way down, starting with George Washington and then Martha on the other side. So it's portraits of the the presidents and their the first ladies through history all the way to the end of the hallway. In a hallway that nobody ever gets to see. In a hallway it's, no one ever gets so to see. Thoughtful. Except the presidents. <laughs> when they get to do it, they're like, all right, this is my hallway. That's wild. <laughs> Yeah, so so nobody asked Dan to leave at that one, but like two years later, we bought the VIP tickets for the um, dinner, and somebody came up and said, "Dan, Dan, this is for the the premium people." <laughs> We're like, "Yeah, dude, we paid up." <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. And I don't remember that. <laughs> That's unfortunate. Like you can possibly have afforded these seats. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, ask forgiveness, not permission, is one of my mottos. And get speaking of which, do you yes. remember our, our Philadelphia trip when we hopped on that tour? Oh, yes, go ahead, tell that story. Yeah, so we were uh just in Philadelphia, I think we had a couple hours to kill, and we went to the um just historical area to the Liberty Bell. And when we were in line, there was some dude dressed up like you know, he was from colonial times and he was explaining everything to all these people, and so we just kind of like nudged our way in and you know, he was talking and we started asking him, I think you started like chatting him up and asking him a bunch of questions and stuff like that. And we get, you know, do the Liberty Bell thing. Um, and then we all leave, like we all walk outside cause it, you know, it's, it's pretty linear, I'm pretty sure. And then, um, yeah, they just started walking and I'm <laughs> and asking all stayed. these questions and, and he's, and so, yeah, we're very much engaged with, with our tour, which then we come to realize wasn't, wasn't our tour at all. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, especially like once you're away from the crowd, we kind of realized, I think it was just a bunch of like high schoolers or kids like my age and it was super weird because we like, <laughs> we all left and then we just started following him just talking and stuff and we, they went across this huge, huge yard to like a museum. Yeah. That's when we realized like, we got a, oh. we got a clue. Yeah. We, yeah, we, we're we, like, hey, wait, so do we buy tickets here? Or like, did you guys already... Do, did you pay for this? And they're like, oh, yeah, I mean, this is a private tour. <laughs> and so then the conversation just was like, oh, <laughs> I don't know, just cut very short. Funny. If you just stuck around, you probably would have got lunch. That's yeah. true. <laughs> yeah. I remember Philadelphia. It's so pretty. I remember going to, like, historical Philadelphia and seeing, like, the tower and everything. Um, and the room, the room where they signed the Declaration of Independence, is that correct? Was that in Philadelphia? Yes, indeed. It was. It had green in it. Where they green had the, chairs. the Constitutional Convention. And yes, it's the first capital. It, it is a powerful experience to be in that room thinking about the origins of the United States and how it all came out of that, those conversations. Absolutely. So <laughs> as I have to do my weekly video, I'm always looking for locations. And we were at this hotel near SeaWorld, 
And so I go, I look on the line and I said, okay, parks near me or pretty places near me. <laughs> and there's a place called Dr. Phillips Community Park. And it's pretty cool. It has like, you know, normal park stuff, playgrounds, but then also like these interactive nature trails where I'm not really interactive, but interpretive trails. <laughs> yeah, nature jumps out at you as you walk another trail. Trying to start petting you. <laughs> <laughs> but like these cool sandy trails. It looks like you're in a jungle. I was like, that's going to be cool. And so just like I always do, I had my script ready, my tripod, my camera, my iPad with the with all that. And I get up and I get going at like 5.30 in the morning. I drive there and it's 6.15. Like, and this is perfect because I always want to catch the first bit of daylight because that's when the video looks most magical. And I'm pulling up, turning in, following my GPS. The gates are closed. The park is locked. It doesn't open until 8 o'clock. And my first thought was, oh, man, I'm going to have to pick a different location or maybe find some place else where I go tomorrow. And then I started thinking, well, wait a second. It's just a gate. There's a fence along the sign side here. Nobody's around. I know how to hop a fence. So, so I go up to the fence, and I, and I first threw my phone and my tripod over the fence. It land, you know, landed softly, flat. And then I didn't want to throw my iPad over the fence because I was worried about that cracking. So I climbed the fence with one hand, with my iPod in the other hand, jumped over, landed <laughs> on the other side, and then just, you know, started walking into the park. And uh, I, I went into the, into the wooded part first, and just in case anybody was around to see me. Um, and by the time I was done, I had an amazing video. It looked super cool. Eddie's going to edit that for next week. and. Hello. Yeah, and um, the gates were open, so I didn't even have to hop the fence coming out. Well, they, that would have been weird. Like, you're walking up to, to jump the fence to leave, and they're walking up with the key going, How'd you get in there? <laughs> Did I lock you in there yesterday? Wait, it took no. you three hours? They, they opened the fence. I think they opened the fence at 7 instead of 8 because mm -hmm. there were people who wanted to get in. <laughs> Apparently. But the, <laughs> the other weird part was once I was in the park, there were other people in the park who I think kind of live nearby. Like if you're adjacent in this little community, you can have access to the park because there were joggers oh. and stuff running around. And so anyway, I said, maybe but they I live thought in the park and they're like, the ones who lock it. So people don't come in. At night. Yeah. I thought you were going to say that they're from the park and they have a little community that they just thrive in. No, no, not really. But I thought, what's the worst thing that could happen? Like they tell you, tell me, sir, you're not supposed to be here. It's not like I was supposed to steal anything. I was just in there to t shoot a video. So it all worked out. Stay tuned for that next weekly video. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, this has been a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, we appreciate you guys more than you know. Um, if you liked this episode or this podcast in general, be sure to share with your friends or your family or whoever you want to listen with. Subscribe. Check out our website, wholesomechaos.com, where you can ask us questions that we might answer on the podcast and subscribe to our socials to keep in touch. So I'll see you real soon, Mags. We'll all see you soon. And I will meet the family in Los Angeles. I've got to go to Mexico. I get to go to Mexico to do a quick speech. Um, and then I will see you soon, but I can't wait. And I sure love you. I love you too. And we love you, everybody. Take care and we'll have a, have a great week. We'll see you soon. Bye. 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 Bye.
can you say, I, I sh uh, I'll just say, um, one sec. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to burp or yawn or throw up. <laughs> Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.